Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Welcome to The Art of Being You. Today is a shout out for all the singles, all the single ladies, all the single gentlemen. Today we're talking about how to live a successfully single life. Um, Probably a little bit of a too bold title, a little bit of an audacious claim, but I think this is something that we need to give some space to because I know a lot of you guys that are listening to this uh, podcast regularly are not in long-term relationships, not married, and um, so I want to, you know, devote an episode to you all. Uh, dedicated to you and how much I love all of you guys, um, especially those of you that I walk personally with. But today we're going to be talking about singlehood and uh, the season of being single. And I need to give a disclaimer because I'm not talking about this from firsthand experience. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story, which is very comical to me because I actually grew up thinking I wouldn't get married until I was like 30. Uh, and back in the late nineties, early two thousands, that was kind of pretty audacious. I went to a Christian college. I went to Baylor university and there was this whole thing about, you know, getting your MRS degree and all these women who were there just to find somebody to get married to and be a housewife. And I had all these dreams and all these ideas for my life and things I wanted to do and experience. And the idea of getting married young to me was just gross. If I can be honest, it was like, it felt like indentured servitude way too soon. And so I went into college, you know, thinking I want to have a good time and I have no intention of, of getting married. Now that's not to say that I didn't think about, uh, or have crushes on people while I was in college, but the, the reality of sitting down and saying, am I actually going to get married? That was a real complication for me. The joke's on me, though, because uh, I started dating Grant, my husband, my junior year of college, and God had really sovereignly brought us together. I think both of us were very happy being single and not wanting to uh, <laughs> not wanting to have a serious relationship, but God brought us together, knit our hearts together, and we were married like... Uh, I think like nine months, 11 months, I think it was 11 months after we started dating, uh, we were married. So I got married while I was in college. So there you go. So I'm not talking about today's information from firsthand experience. Uh, I'm talking about it from observations and conversations that I've had with beautiful people who have lived in a single season much longer than I did. Um, And I want to say right up front that your single days are actually a real gift But I don't want to paint it in the picture of the fact that marriage or family or parenting is this gigantic burden. I want to really challenge you to think about the seasons of your life and every season of your life requiring something different from you. And I think if you can begin to sort of look at it from that perspective, then you will be able to open yourself up to enjoy this season a little bit more. For some of us, when we're single, we we really struggle with like the fear of not ending up with someone. And that fear kind of drives us to either settle and compromise our beliefs or our desires or what we're looking for in a partner. Um, you know, we just kind of were like, well, you're available and, and you're convenient. Um, or, you know, we go on and we we are like 
like we we count every single day that's passing we like we we agonize right it's been four months and i haven't been on a date oh my gosh it's been six months and i haven't been on a date and time begins to to feel like a huge burden what's interesting to me is that a lot of times you know your single season is in your 20s and and for some it moves into their 30s and 40s as well but in your 20s your perception of time is altered anyway Like I remember being 24, 25 years old and not being able to imagine what my life would be like six months down the road. It was like, well, am I, am I going to still be here? Am I going to like, no, I'm a big futuristic person and I could not actually imagine like making a plan and having it come to pass six months down the road. I think it was around the time of my early 30s that I began to really feel like I could plan something in five-year increments. And I, I did some research on it, and it's a pretty normal thing. There's something about your 20s that just makes it difficult to perceive time in that way. And then when you couple that with, for the most, you know, the bulk of people are single in their early to mid to late 20s, and you're going your perception of time is challenged anyway, and you're feeling the weight of your singlehood and it's like a crisis, right? It can be a real crisis. So I want to really encourage you, be at peace with the season that you're in and allow God to do all the things he wants to do with you in that season. And that way you can move from one season into the next. The worst thing you can do is be in a spot where you feel pressured to be in a relationship and so you compromise and and pick somebody who doesn't share the same values. I feel confident in saying this, although again, I'm not speaking from personal experience, but I do think it would be way better to be single and happy and able to pursue Jesus and love Jesus than to be married to somebody who is not pursuing Jesus in the same way that you are and to have to deal with that um, all the days of your life. It's very, very difficult and really hard to to move from. So I've got three things for those of you who are single to be thinking about and just spend some time pondering if you're wanting to make the most out of this season. For some, maybe you're just kind of like, I don't think about it. And that's great. You know, props to you. Um, but for those that are thinking about it and are struggling with it, I've got three thoughts for you that we're going to get to in a minute. But I want to also encourage you guys, when you are dreaming about marriage and when you're thinking about you know, having a family one day, I want you to consider this, that most people out there are not talking about the pain that their marriage has brought them. Every single marriage brings pain, <laughs> even the best of the marriages. And so there's pain in singlehood and there's pain in marriage. And I think that's an important thing to be honest about because there is this lie that I think the enemy brings that you'd be so much happier if you had a partner. But I'm telling you, after being in ministry for 20 something years, you would not believe how many people, I mean, statistically, the majority of people who are in a partnership in their marriage that does not satisfy them in the way they hoped it would. The person doesn't have the same love language. The person doesn't know how to communicate themselves. The other person, you know, struggles to be servant hearted, whatever the case may be, it's challenging. So we're kind of changing, not changing, we're exchanging one challenge for another challenge. And it's a beautiful thing to do because it's helping us grow, right? One of my favorite books on marriage is a book called Sacred Marriage, and um, there's two sacred marriages out there, and they're both written by a guy named Gary, so that's a little confusing. But the one that I like is written by, I think his name is Gary Thomas, and this is what the, the subtitle says, what if marriage wasn't for happiness, but for holiness? 
what if marriage was not for happiness, but for holiness? And I read this book when I was dating my husband. And it was, I think, one of the reasons why I even allowed myself to consider marrying him, because I was so afraid that whoever I married would not be able to make me happy. And spoiler alert, it's true. I don't think there's anybody I could have married who would make me happy because happiness is not the goal of the believer's life, right? Holiness, sanctification, maturity in Jesus is the goal. And through that comes a lot of joy and happiness and positive things. But that's not the chief end goal. Yes, we want to enjoy our life, but the reality is people are flawed. So any person that's in your life over a long period of time is going to affect you negatively at times. And that's just the way the world works. In this book, he gives this analogy that when you're single, you you approach a mirror and you look at yourself in the mirror and you decide what do you feel like needs to change in your life? What do you feel like needs to go? You, you're kind of in control of how you uh, grow yourself, right? But when you're married, your spouse becomes the mirror and they tell you just by proximity, they let you know what needs to grow in you. For example, I might look at myself in the mirror and I might say, well, I don't need to work on being more compassionate. I'm, I'm, I'm compassionate enough. But then you get into a situation where you need to be compassionate and it's not coming and it's hurtful that you're not compassionate. And all of a sudden now I have to become more compassionate because my spouse is being gracious to bring that to the forefront. That's kind of how that works. So none of this is to say, oh, marriage is so hard, you should avoid it. Marriage is beautiful and amazing if you marry the right person. And it is life-giving and you have this ability to to have... Um, you know, to be known in a way that I don't think you can be known in any other way. It's just like, even if you're dating somebody long-term, there's something different about the covenant of marriage. And so I don't want to make it sound bad or diminish it or hide the joys that are in marriage in a godly marriage, because there are plenty of those. But if you're telling yourself that you need to be married to have joy and all of those things, well, you're probably distorting the truth a little bit. So I, uh, you know, I, I think one of the hard parts about being single is when you see people in healthy relationships, but you're not really aware of the process it took them to build that healthy relationship. Uh, you know, no matter who you choose to be with, you're going to have to build a life with them. So you can't compare the beginning of a, of a relationship to somebody who's been married 5, 10, 15, 20 years, who's had plenty of their own moments of crying in the closet, you know, uh, pulling themselves together, working through their pain, all of that. Um, you can't compare it, right? When you're thinking about getting married, think about building a life together. Think about how that's going to require ups and downs, hard decisions, but also it's going to be an experience of seeing Jesus in the midst of, of, you know, your relationship, which is really amazing. It usually takes a long time to forge the kind of love that you want to have. And so when you see something from the outside looking in, just remember there was a lot of effort that forged that love and you are capable of that same effort as well. So who do you look for? Like, what are you looking for in a partner? Well, you're looking for somebody who wants to put in the work as well right? When the two of you can commit to forging something together, then you know you're with somebody that, uh, that, that's a good part partner. Obviously foundation in Jesus and being equally yoked is absolutely important, but I'm assuming you already know that. 
So again, a lot of singles have a tendency to overlook the private, painful marriage uh, moments that every marriage has. There are moments of rejection, moments of betrayal, moments of feeling misunderstood. But ultimately, in what we're going for in a marriage is trying to build and forge something together. So, all right, let's talk about three things that you can do if you're single to maximize this season of your life. Because again, this season has its own set of demands, right? You might feel lonely more often. Um, but you're also not having to to have the same type of demands on, you know, maybe housework if you've got roommates that can share that load with you because a lot of spouses don't divvy out the housework very well. Uh, I'm blessed to have one who is more tidy than I am, but I'm sure he feels the weight of what I'm saying as well. Um, so yeah, you've got things like that. When you bring kids into the picture, there's just a lot of demands with that as well. It's amazing. I recommend parenting to everybody, but at the same time, it is difficult, right? So in the difficulties of single life, here's three things you can do. Number one, invest in your roommates and your friends, invest in building community where you are. So don't feel like your life is on hold, you know, don't feel like you can't go do things because you've got to uh, hold those memories or those times for your future spouse. Go on trips, invite some friends to go places, go on adventures, you know, um, go have experiences and concerts and all those kinds of things if you can, because you you need to invest in community relationships. You're going to need a community whether you're married or not. And this is something I struggled with um, in my early, early 20s. I kind of was like, well, if I have this good group of friends, but then I get married and then, you know, am I still going to have that good group of friends? And man, I'm telling you, you need friends when you're married. You need them. You need to have people in your life that you can go to. So invest in those relationships now. It'll be absolutely worth it. Number two, check your standards. Okay, guys, this is so important. Check your standards, because if you want to pursue Jesus with your life, you need a partner who also wants to pursue Jesus. Because the truth is, two people who want to pursue Jesus still have plenty of time where it's it's does not feel godly, <laughs> right? Like there's still plenty of time where you're really like, man, I wish you were more spiritual. So you have to really check your standards. But at the same time, make sure that your standards are realistic, you know, Make sure that you're that they're realistic. For example, when my husband and I got married, at that season of our life, we were in our early 20s. And uh, in fact, I got married the day after I turned 21, which still kind of grosses me out. I'm not disappointed I married him. I'm glad that we did that. But I, it's like it still defies the standard I wanted to hold for my life. And, um, and so when we got married, we were not as spiritually mature as we are now, obviously, right? And so what you're looking for are things like the ability to resolve and forgive and let go after forgiving. They're not bringing it back up in conversation. They're not holding it against you like a grudge. They're actually able to to make space for grace in the relationship. That's so important. You want to check your standards on like how do they value things with the Holy Spirit? Here's the question to ask yourself when you're evaluating whether or not to marry somebody. Would you marry them and be in partnership with them if they stayed this way for the rest of their life? Because a lot of us have a tendency to think about the potential that somebody has, and we let their potential that we see outweigh their reality, right? We let their potential of what we think they could become outweigh who they actually are. So the good rule of thumb that I tell people all the time is this. Would you marry them as they are today, as if they never changed, as if this is how they were going to be forever? And if you can say yes to that, that's a person that probably meets your standards. But if you're saying, well, no, I wish that they would 
do X, Y, or Z, then you got to really evaluate that, have those conversations, the hard ones, and, you know, see if you can forge something together. And if you can't, might not be the right person for you, or at least at this time. So number one, invest in your roommates, make some great experiences. Don't waste this season. It's a beautiful time. And it's a time that you're, you, I want you to look back on with fondness. Number two, check your standards. And number three, don't diminish yourself. Don't diminish yourself. Don't hold yourself back just because you're single. See, I actually had this conversation with quite a few people over the years of this feeling, especially for women, where it's like, well, if I was married or if I was a man, then I would be perceived differently. I remember years ago, a friend of mine, she was 26 or 27, and she was just really, really struggling with like, I just feel like if I was married, people would think I was more responsible. But because I don't have kids, I come across like I'm not very responsible. And I was like, that's really sad that you feel that way. And over the last 10 plus years, I've learned that a lot of people feel that way, a lot of women in particular. So I want to say to you, ladies, do not diminish yourself. You can be responsible and a leader and a go-getter, even though you don't have kids, right? In fact, more so because you don't have kids. Don't diminish yourself and don't assume that other people are diminishing you as well. Some probably are because there's some real bizarre people out there in the world. But most people are going to see who you are and, and let your, you know, your, the leader side of you shine, let the, the go-getter side of you shine and let it just be there. And people are going to respect that. Does motherhood change you and make you more responsible? Does it change you? Yes. Does it make you more responsible? I mean, it, by default, yes, in some way, because there's like an actual demand every two hours that makes you have to do things differently. But I know plenty of mothers who are not very responsible and are not good at that kind of thing. So I don't think it has to do with motherhood as the, as you might have assumed that it does. Um, and I don't know, I'm going on a tangent here, so maybe that's helpful for somebody. So don't hold back. So let's recap real quick. Top three things that I encourage you to do to make the most out of your single life. Number one, invest in your friendships and roommates. Invest in relationships with people of the opposite gender too. I mean, you know, maybe you want to like guard your heart a little bit so that you're not um, putting yourself in a position that makes things awkward. But uh, I, I think it's great to have male friends and female friends that you can ask their opinion on and, and get their input on and, and enjoy their company and the different perspectives that they bring. So invest in your roommates and your friends. Number two, check your standards, right? Big question to ask, would you marry that person if they never changed? Are you falling for them because of their potential or are you falling for them because of who they actually are? And number three, don't diminish yourself. Don't diminish yourself. Now, if you are listening to this and you're in your early to mid twenties, you got a lot of learning and growth to do, and that's okay. So by the time you're 35, your ability to be, you know, shining and, and responsible and leading and all of that should be significantly better than it is when you're 25, irregardless of your family status. All right. So I want to say one last thing to all of you guys who are single. Uh, you offer something to the church that is really important and it's not just babysitting ability. Um, you offer something to the church that's really important. And so I want to encourage you, if you're the kind of person who has put marriage and family as like the sacred cow that has to be accomplished before your life can move forward and have meaning, it's time to reevaluate that. Your life can have and should have so much meaning and purpose and joy, no matter what season that you're in. 
Because for motherhood, right, we go through, let's just say parenting, you go through these different stages where your kids need different things from you. They don't always need you to be um, coddling them and, and you know, wiping their noses and butts and stuff for the, for the rest of their life, right? By the time they're five, as, as the parent, your life begins to change and you're kind of going, wow, I want to pursue some different things for a lot of people. And so like, don't, don't, don't idolize that season of parenting because that season of parenting is a season. It's fleeting as well. So, you know, if we make a sacred cow out of anything, then that sacred cow has to be sacrificed, right? So I want to really encourage you, keep that perspective as you are uh, pursuing all of your thoughts about singlehood and marriage. And, you know, if you are really desperately hoping to find a spouse, ask yourself, are you wanting a spouse because you think they're going to fill your needs, right? They're going to make you feel more loved and less lonely. And if that's the case, I want to implore you and challenge you and encourage you. Find that in Jesus now. Find that in Jesus now because there is no human being who can be that for you. It just doesn't work that way. And maybe for a time, maybe a year or two, it feels like that in your relationship. But over the long haul of your life, it's just not sustainable. That type of feeling of of not being alone, of um, not being lonely, and uh, feeling, you know, loved and, and appreciated and accepted. All of that comes from Jesus first. And you have just as much access to that as anybody else. Um, so again, don't diminish your journey with Jesus. Hope this was helpful for you guys. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.